Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus Van Staden of the University of Johannesburg Center for African Foreign Policy and Diplomacy. Good afternoon, Kobus. Good afternoon. Well,、uh, we are going to have a little bit of a change in our format here today. We're going to experiment a little bit. Several of you have、uh, have sent us some feedback saying you love the show, but sometimes it's a little bit on the long side. So we're going to experiment now. Rather than do all three topics in one,、uh, making it usually about an hour program, we're actually going to break the shows now down into、uh, three separate topics of about twenty to twenty-five minutes each to make the listening experience a little bit easier. We would love to hear from you what you think. Please post on. On our Facebook page, send us emails, post on our Twitter accounts. Do you prefer the longer show or the shorter show? Because at the end of the day, we do this for you, and we'd like to make you happy. So,、uh, so Cobus, we're going to give it a try today. Today, we're going to focus on one topic. And focus first of all on the the Pew Research Center, which is an American research agency. Every few years, I'm not sure if it's every year or every few years, they go around the world and they ask opinions of、uh, of people on a particular topic. And one of their consistent polling subjects that they do is comparing the United States and China. And so they came out with a report、uh, last week、uh, that really kind of broke it down into really granular detail. America's global image remains more positive than China. Uh, that is the title of the July 18th report from the Pew Research Center.、Uh, Cobus, before we get started on on your perspective, let me just kind of set it up by、uh, by reading some of the the statistics, and then we'll get some analysis to it. Okay, so basically the headline is that the United States. Uh, receives much higher ratings in soft power diplomacy、uh, than China does, particularly in places、uh, like Africa and Latin America, where China's strength、uh, has has really increased over the past few years. So let's look, and these are overall global ratings.、Uh, number one, the overall favorable rating of the United States is 63 percent. China is 50 percent. Unfavorable of the United States is 30 percent. Unfavorable of China is 36 percent. Then, when it comes to the question of is the U.S. or China a partner, 59% said yes to the United States. 39% said yes to China. Is the United States an enemy? 8% said yes to the U.S. 10% said、uh, yes to China, and then neither. 24% for the U.S., 36% for China. So, you know, Cobus, what struck me about these statistics was not that the United States is a more potent global power when it comes to soft power. We, in many ways, the United States really sets the benchmark. In fact, the idea of soft power. Was defined in the United States by Joseph Nye, a Harvard University professor, a former、uh, Pentagon official, and he defined soft power as the opposite of hard power, which is hard power is military assets, economic power. Soft power is culture, persuasion, and ideals. And I guess what surprised me about the statistics was that we're even having this conversation at all, because really, you and I have talked about for years that the Chinese basically suck at soft power.、Um, they've not been very good at it. And so here we are, and the numbers are actually closer than I would have imagined them to be. What was your initial reaction? Yeah, no, this is this. I really encourage people to read the full report, which is actually available on the Pew Research Center's website, and I also posted a link to it on our Facebook page today.、Um, because you just want to give up your whole afternoon just going down this rabbit hole, because it's just really incredibly interesting,、um, particularly when it comes to the breakdown to individual countries and the, the reactions to different aspects of the U.S. and China is really interesting.、Um, I tend to agree with you.、Um, you know, kind of that. 
that you know it's it, it's impressive that China even comes up in the same in the same sentence. Um, the issue, I think, you know, kind of one one you know kind of once you come into the issue of soft power, then you immediately come into how soft power is defined. Um, and I think one of the main issues, one of the most important issues in terms of China and Africa, and that's something that that uh, we discussed just before taping, you know, kind of that came up in, in the, the journal that I edited, um, is that... Um, you know, kind of Joseph Nye traditionally, in his classic definition of, of soft power, tended to put economic power on the hard power side, thinking, you know, kind of defining it as people, as countries using economics to pressure other countries to do things. While, you know, kind of what we found in our research um, is that the image of being economically very successful, that itself is a kind of soft power. And I think in Africa, that that counts for a lot for the for the for Chinese's image. I would say that it's not just in Africa. It's probably a lot of developing countries who look at foreign powers in a very pragmatic, maybe less idealistic way as to how these foreign powers can actually benefit their economies. So in that sense, to your point, which is you know, China's economic success over the past 30 years really in some ways does represent a form of soft power because it has persuaded people to see that there is another model other than the liberal Western economic model. So in that sense, I, I think you're absolutely, uh, you're absolutely correct. Let's talk a little bit about some of the statistics that came out in terms of Africa in particular. So comparing, we're going to look at uh, about five or six countries. Uh, South Africa, the, the favorability rate of the United States was at 72%. That's a difference of 24%. So there's a big increase in popularity among Amer- for America in South Africa. China came in at 48%. Ghana is at 83%, 67% for, uh, for China. Uganda is at 73%, 59% for, for China. Uh, Senegal, 81%. Now, this is very interesting. 81% for, uh, for the U.S., 77% for China. Uh, Kenya, 81%, 78% for China. And now here's the most interesting one, and this is one I'd like to get your feedback on. The only country that was listed here in their, in their summary that where China exceeded that of the United States was Nigeria. 69% favorability of the United States, 76% favorability of China. What do you attribute the difference for Nigeria compared to these other powers? This was very interesting for me. Um, you know, kind of the one... The one so one issue that I think might have contributed, and I think I think they probably mentioned, I think they mentioned that in their own their own breakdown, is that Nigeria has such a large Muslim population, um, and that you know kind of that it you know the Muslim population tends to be more of of Nigeria, northern Nigeria tends to be more plugged into the Middle East, um, and America's approval ratings in the Middle East were really low. Um, so you know that that might be one contributing factor. What I found very interesting though is that. You know, kind of, they tested which, like, in which African countries do do Chinese media, you know, kind of test the most positively. And Nigeria was the only country where more than half of of people said they actually like Chinese media. Um, so I was like, wow, you know, kind of, so the Chinese media must be doing something right in, in, in Nigeria. I'm not sure exactly which kind of Chinese media they mean, but this was very interesting for me. But in Kenya, where it's 81 to 78, you know, that must come within the margin of, of error. They didn't actually specify the margin of error in the report that I read. Uh, but it basically kind of reveals that it, it's very, very close. And this is another interesting point to kind of consider here. Uh, and again, I don't say this in defense of the Chinese, so I'm not trying to take the 
Chinese side here. But we have to bear in mind that the United States has been in Africa for over a century. Uh, and that China's engagement there at the intense level that it's been is really, what, 10, maybe 15 years uh, in, in, in making. Yes, the Chinese go back to, to Africa to the 16th and 15th centuries, but their real level of engagement seems to be in the past, say, 15 years. So the fact that, you know, places like Kenya and Senegal and Nigeria, that it's that close is actually quite revealing. Mm, well, you know, kind of maybe we should take the, the engagement in Africa back a little bit more. Their intense economic engagement just goes back to the 90s. That's a fair but point. Before that, but before that, obviously from the Bandung Conference, you know, from the 50s and particularly in the 60s and 70s, I had a lot of, of ideological, you know, kind of uh, and, you know, Non, non, well, you know, kind of anti-imperialist kind of ideological involvement, and that might still count for something, you know, in Africa. It, it, it's interesting that that again, it's, it's how the questions were asked, and this is where I go back to one of our earlier points in the discussion, which you know, so much depends on the methodology that was used, and I worry a little bit that the Pew Center, being an American organization and asking the questions framed in a in an American cultural context. Uh, might have skewed the results in, in that way. I think the Chinese, if they were to do the same survey, uh, may have asked the question in a different way, simply because when you define soft power, as you rightly said, uh, the Chinese actually define human rights and uh, in a very different way than, than the West does. Uh, they prioritize social and economic development over civil and political. Uh, soft power is implicitly in that civil and political side because it has to do with freedom of speech, it has to do with freedom of ideas, and that's just not an emphasis that the Chinese would, I think, put a lot of uh, a lot of time into. So, you know, this is that's what makes this so very interesting. One other point that was that was not surprising actually is both the Chinese uh, and the Americans did not perform well in the survey in those regions where they have tension. So for, as you pointed out, in the Middle East, uh, the, the United States and really throughout the Muslim world uh, did not score well at all. Uh, in Asia, and certainly in Japan, uh, and in parts of, uh, of Southeast Asia where the Chinese have territorial disputes, uh, they did not perform well. So Africa and in, in Latin America in some ways were kind of neutral testing grounds that didn't seem to have the level of tension that other parts of the world had. And so, so I think that's just kind of one, one disclaimer to kind of put into there as well. Uh, when, you, when you think about soft power, Cobus, in Africa today, the Chinese have made an investment of what's you know, rumored to be about a billion dollars in media. They've got CCTV Africa out of Kenya. They've got China Daily out of uh, South Africa. And they really seem to be emphasizing their, their development. Do you foresee a closing of the gap? Or do you feel that the United States with Hollywood and with, you know, the, you know it's just long history of, of being a soft power, uh, you know, diplomatic giant, um, that, that we'll, we'll never see the day when, we'll, when the Chinese will exceed the, the, the Americans in these surveys? Uh, this is such a difficult question. Um, in terms of, particularly in terms of media, I think one of, one of the problems tripping China up at the moment is that it tends to focus very much on news media. Um, you know, so they they completely 
the, the Chinese, I think, try, they're trying to, pre- to present a very sober, very kind of serious image. Well, obviously, America is kind of all over the map. They, you know, kind of they, they do serious, they do reporting, they do hip hop, they do comedy, any, they do everything, you know. Um, so I think, you know, they, they just have a much richer image in terms of media than, than the Chinese do in Africa because the Chinese tend to restrict themselves to, um, you know, kind of to, to, to news media. Um, and this is a very interesting thing because historically Hong Kong media, particularly martial arts film, has, has been very popular uh, in Africa and has been shown in Africa historically for decades and decades. Um, so I'm not really sure why the Chinese are going with this 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 approach, why they're not taking a Japanese style, you know, kind of more you know, kind of a Japanese style approach where they where they focus a lot more on their entertainment media. Um it might be simply because you know because the the Chinese government is just more conservative, um, you know, and that they see it as frivolous. Maybe, but, but I, I would say that I don't. I'm not sure Japan is necessarily the, the best model. I would say Korea, in some ways, when it comes to uh, soft power entertainment, uh, in many ways is the is the is the benchmark in Asia. In part, you know, the K wave, K pop, the the movies and whatnot, and the drama series that are so popular, uh, really around the world. Uh, so, and, and China, interestingly enough, is producing a lot of these dramas, very similar to the Korean dramas. So they have, you know, potentially a universal appeal. Uh, let's stay on the subject of, of looking forward. So it, it may be a long way before, you know, the, the, the China closes the gap on traditional definition of soft power in a place like Africa. But in terms of who, the question of the changing perceptions of power, uh, Pew asked, who is the world's leading economic power? Now, in 2008, 47% said the United States, only 20% said China. Now, the U.S. has fallen by six points down to 41%, and the, the Chinese have risen 14 points to 34%. So what's interesting is that there is a change that, the, that more and more people believe that China will become the dominant economic global superpower. What's your, what's your thought on that in terms of the effect that that may have on the perception of China in the marketplace? Yeah, I think, I think it certainly kind of would make China look, you know, kind of like, like a more worthy partner. Um, what the Pew Center also pointed out is that it might account for China losing some popularity in certain certain you know areas because if you're seen as the biggest one on the block, then people don't frequently tend to not have so much sympathy for you, um, you know. And I think I think that's that's something that America has, has experienced in the past. Um, so yeah, you know, kind of I, I think there's there's very strong perceptions that that China's on the way up and America's on the way down. Um, you know, whether that's actually borne out in the future, we'll have to see. Um, I wanted to actually ask you as well. Um, one thing that really struck me that surprised me was that in most in most regions. Um, both China and America were seen as as acting very unilaterally and not particularly listening to to the concerns of these countries, except in Africa, where both America and China were seen as listening. You know, Africans tend to say that yes, they do feel that that America and China listens to their listen to their concerns. What did you make of that? Well, I think that may have to do, particularly with the United States, with the long tradition of aid that's been there. So it's not just been a focus on trade, which trade oftentimes has a 
much more selfish perception. So the idea of, you know, USAID's deep involvement across the continent, and you know, you see the bags of rice and it says, you know, a gift or something provided by the American people. And so there's that, that perception that maybe the United States is more than just trade, but also giving aid. And that's one of the benefits of aid, of course, is the public relations, uh, you know, help that you get from it. And the Chinese have not been strong in that. I think when it comes to this this idea of the perception of, of China in the U.S., one very important point to remember here is that when China becomes the largest economy in the world, and this is something that's predicted to happen uh, within the next decade, um, you know, you get to set the rules. That is the key thing about being the world's largest economy. It was the British that set the trading rules in the 19th century when they were the largest economic power. Then when the United States took over in, in the 20th century, they got to create the Bretton Woods Agreements. They got to create the World Trading Organization standards, and they set the rules in their favor. So it'll be interesting to see when China becomes the world's largest economic power, they will have the largest vote in the IMF. They will have the largest vote of shares of votes in the World Bank. Uh, will they shift the agenda? Think back to the World Trade Organization. When China became a member, they shut down the World Trade Organization talks. We still, to this day, do not have an agreement. And that was in part over agricultural subsidies that really did not benefit the developing world. So I wonder if China will assume its its role, as it defines itself, as a leader of the developing world. And we saw this with the new head of the WTO, who was a Brazilian, picked with the influence of the Chinese, and that developing countries may have a greater say when China eventually does assume that mantle of the largest economic power in the world. So that is something to look out for. Final thoughts and comments on, uh, on this Pew survey. Yeah, I think I think one thing that one shouldn't forget when you read the survey is that one crucial thing that links China and Africa together is that there are two areas that have experienced starvation in living memory. Um, you know, and so the the role, the kind of emotional role of 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 society of of stability in society, but also economic growth in society compared to you know more abstract ideas of freedom of speech and human rights. I think I think they share. You know, kind of for that reason, they share that kind of obsession with, with, uh, you know, kind of a growth in prosperity in society. Um, and I think those would be, would probably, you know, kind of link the two together in, in sympathy for, for a while. Well, my final thought on this is that, you know, these polls on one hand make for wonderful discussion and great reading. And as I said, we, we really invite you to check it out to read the document. But on the other hand, though, you know, they can potentially be very misleading in making it almost like a binary choice that are Africans supporting the U.S. over China or China over the U.S. in some kind of competition when, in fact, I th you know, I think and I hope in, is that African both citizens and leaders will pick the best ideas from both. Uh, and they don't see it necessarily as, a, as an either-or choice. So these polls can oftentimes be misleading. Off, you know, and again, we talked about the methodology of the questions and how they were asked, the sample survey size. They put all the information there. But you know, polls are one of these things that we should always be skeptical for. It, it does make for good conversation, but it may not actually reflect the reality that is far more complex on the ground. So, okay, well, that'll do it for, for this edition of the China in Africa podcast in our new shorter format. Once again, please tell us what you think of it, one story or three. We'd love to hear from you on that. Hey, Kobus, uh, we're going to continue our tradition of uh, letting people know where, where to follow you and what you're reading and what you're working on. Where on, uh, on the Internet can people follow you? 
The easiest place to find me is probably our Facebook page, um, where I try and update every day. And I'm also on Twitter at Stadenesque. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And uh, once again, our Facebook address is facebook.com slash China Africa Project. We're closing in on 90,000 followers. Uh, really just an amazing conversation that's going on over there. Every day, both Kobus and I are posting articles and moderating discussions and asking questions. And, and so it's really just fantastic. We hope that you you check it out. If you'd like to follow what I'm uh, what I'm doing on Twitter, you can find me at eolander, E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. I'm posting almost every day the top headlines from China in Africa. So that'll do it for this edition. Again, follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or on the BlackBerry Network in South Africa. Uh, and we'll be back again next week with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you.